0: Welcome back to Missed and Movies. I'm Erin, and I'll be your host. Um, I want to thank you for joining us as we dive into our favorite movies and learn about fairies, trolls, mythical monsters, and folklore. Today's episode is all about chimeras. If you're anything like me, you've heard the word chimera, but you're not really sure what it is. Um, I weirdly heard um, about chimeras first from an episode of NCIS. It's the title of an episode... Um, where a ship is supposed to be a research vessel, but it turns out to be storing a secret. And um, I was really intrigued to learn what exactly a chimera is. So I found out, and I'm going to tell you all right now. um, Chimeras are a mythical beast. Um, They're featured in lots of movies and books. One such program is my favorite, um, My Little Pony. The the chimera is a a minor villain that the hero, Applejack, defeats. So um, let me tell you a little story about it. Um, Once upon a time, ancient Greece was ruled by gods. They were not wise and often ruled by their own whims. As a result of their own hubris and poor choices, monsters were often created. One such monster was the Chimera. The The Chimera was a beast so dangerous, no one went near it. Even the gods feared it. It had the body of a lion and three heads emerged from it. A lion, a goat, and a snake. The goat head breathed fire and burned anyone who got too close. The monster burned up all the land and ruined many farms. One brave soul, Belafron, was ordered by the king of Lycia to slay the monster. The king was sure the hero would die in the quest, but it was a risk the king was willing to take. A seer advised Belafron to capture Pegasus to help him capture the monster. Athena gave Belafron a magic bridle that chained Pegasus. Belafron flew with Pegasus to fight the creature. He lobbed his spear at the mighty beast, but the hide was too tough for the spear to pierce. Luckily, Belafron got an idea. He urged the horse forward as fast as he would go. He aimed his spear at the monster's open mouth, even though he knew he could not damage it. Pegasus veered away at the last moment, leaving the lead tip of Belafron's spear lodged deep in the chimera's throat. When the monster attempted to breathe fire at them, the lead melted and blocked its airway. The Chimera suffocated on the soft metal of the Belafron sphere. The monster has been had been killed, even though not a single drop of its blood had was spilled. The end. Um, so you might want to know, well, what the heck happened to Belafron? Um. The king didn't believe him that he had um, <laughs> killed the monster and wanted him to, like, prove how awesome he was, so he sent him on a bunch more quests. Belafron eventually got pissed because he thought he deserved to sit in Mount Olympus. After all, he'd done all this amazing stuff. Um, he rode Pegasus to Mount Olympus, and Zeus sent a fly to bite Pegasus. Pegasus dropped Belafron, and he fell back down to Earth. Zeus is what a guy, right? He's such a jerk. If you're looking for heroes, read something else. Like Greek mythology just isn't going to get you the satisfaction you want. Although it is nice to have flawed characters. Sometimes when people are just so perfect, they feel one-dimensional. And I think <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Gilmore Girls, and I think that's sort of the complaint about Rory, is that we're told all the time like how perfect she is, and it gets really annoying. Like, she just can do no wrong. And then she blows up her life, which is oddly satisfying. That campfire tale is the story of the Chimera. So let's be totally clear. Um, chimera is the name of a Greek monster. Um, a chimera is the name. Chimera is the name of a Greek monster. A chimera is the name for a creature with characteristics from two distinct animals. This can occur naturally in plants or anglerfish. Um, it can happen in humans, but it's very different. So when most people think of chimerism, they think of a jackalope, which is. You know, not a real creature, but very cool. Um, but there are some instances extremely, extremely rare of DNA cells in someone's liver or something being different than the rest of their body. And I cannot stress how extremely rare this is. Like, less than 100 cases reported ever. So, very, very rare. Um, so, I thought we would talk about the Greek myth, and then we can move on to real-life Chimeras. So the first mention we see of Chimeras is the Iliad. It's in a few other texts, including Metamorphosis, but the most common story is the one told in the Iliad. And that's the story I told with Pegasus and all of that. So the Chimera doesn't really have an origin story. There's some speculation that the Chimera is the offspring of um, Akita and Typhon. But um, that's not really explicit. So. The Chimera is terrifying, though. She's got the head and body of a lion and two other heads, a goat and a snake. So I'll put a little picture up on Instagram, which is uh, definitely very scary. And the goat head breathes fire, which is, um, you know, if I were to pick which would be the most dangerous part of the creature, I'm not sure I would pick the goat head. There is a famous, there is a very famous carving called the Neo Hittite Chimera. It's even older than the legend, and it seems to be agreed that the Chimera is based off of this carving. And there are no goat heads um, really on it. It's basically, it basically looks like maybe a lion, and he's got wings, and then there's like a man's head sprouting out of him that has like a little helmet or something so um that's about a a fifth i'll post it on twitter and instagram so you guys can see it it's about 50 to 100 years older than the iliad which um which is where the story was written down and um pliny the and Pliny the elder he also makes an appearance he's friend of the show um so he describes the area that the chimera lived which is in southwest turkey Also, FYI, when I said the king of Lycia earlier, Lycia is modern-day Turkey, just so everyone's on the same page. Uh, What's interesting about that in this area, there are some permanent gas vents in the soil which cause random flames to shoot out of the ground. This is an actual phenomenon in Turkey. You can go see it today. Um, It's not on top of a volcano or anything, actually. There's a type of mineral that helps produce methane at a lower temperature, and it's there um so it smells like sulfur because of all that methane and scholars think that this inspired the legend there were flames on the ground and as a way to explain the legend they created a monster so scholars think that this is what inspired the legend there were flames on the ground and as a way to explain what was actually happening they created this monster like this is why the ground's on fire which kind of makes sense So that's the tale of the chimera in Greek myth. Um, So now we're going to switch over to actual chimeras, which are two distinct animals merging into one. So centaurs are probably the most famous one. Centaurs are all over Greek mythology. There's more than a dozen famous centaurs, including Chiron, who is often referred to as the centaur in the constellation. So Greek and Roman, um, Greek and Roman people were so enamored with this idea, they decided to create one. So this is according to Pliny the Elder. So he said that a centaur preserved in honey was sent to Emperor Claudius Caesar as a gift, and that he saw it himself. It was preserved in honey, so um, basically, it's it's like the centaur that we talked about on a couple episodes ago. Um, and it's just a man. It's a man. It's a skeleton, and it's a man merged with a horse. So I believe that that really probably did happen. It was just a great con. And um, Plenty the Elder was like, "I'm going to write this down, and everyone can know that there were centaurs. There weren't." So, there were also several guys that served Hadrian who remembered it. Now, remember, this is like 60 years later, and one described it as having a face more fierce than a human's, hairy arms and fingers, and a human torso that merged with a horse's body and limbs. So, my guess is that it really was created probably by someone handy with a saw and some industrial thread. And then it was stuck in a dark room for decades. Honey would be work really well to preserve it, um, but the honey would basically submerge it and you wouldn't be able to see it very well. And it makes sense for people to believe in this, right? Like all of the mythology is so um, riddled with people turning into animals or animals turning into like half-breeds. Zeus was constantly turning into an animal to sleep with another human. I mean, that's how the Minotaur was created, so... If all your legends feature half people, half animal, you're probably going to believe in the existence of such a creature. And the centaur seems like the most likely slash popular. There's another Roman one that's super weird. The Romans made a puppet, um, a false human head attached to a snake, and it could even flick its snake tongue. And this was actually the main attraction for a cult, and yes, there were cults in Roman times. So um, let me tell you all about this. So this like sock puppet thing, his name was Glycan and he was made by a guy named Alexander in 160 AD over an Asian miner. Um, Alexander claimed the snake emerged from an egg he buried. He grew into the snake with a human head. The head was described as strangely human with a full mane of hair. So ew. So um. Alexander tried to pass Glycan off as an oracle and basically his big party trick was that he would have um, people write in a scroll what they wanted to know and they would seal the scroll and then they um would and then Alexander would take them into take these scrolls into the temple and he would ask Glycan what um like to answer them. But of course, you know, this thing wasn't real. So he um, resealed, he answered all the questions. He resealed the scrolls and then he returned to the people who didn't really know what he had done or they probably should have figured it out, but you know, they didn't. And so they were amazed. So that was his big trick. Um, Glycan, this sock puppet thing. He didn't work for free. Um, There's a report that each question cost one, one third drachma. And Alexander brought in 70,000 to 80,000 drachma a year. So that's a lot of questions. And in case you're wondering how much is a drachma, historians estimate that the traditional value of a drachma was one day's pay for a skilled worker. So that is a crap ton of money. Um, So then Alexander announced the snake would say the prophecies out loud. Like, I'm sure he had been getting some pushback about, like, how do we know what the snake is up to. This price is really steep. We want to see some um, action. So Alexander delivered. He somehow wedged a pipe into the snake's mouth and had a friend talk into it. So it seemed like he could talk. So um, Alexander eventually died and he died before the con was up, which I think is um, the mark of a true con man. Uh, And people kept praying to the snake which is unbelievable to me. And probably they probably did it for about 100 years after, which is kind of amazing. And there are coins with the face on there. And here's a picture of the statue. I will put that on Instagram and Twitter. So how did it work? Was it made out of stone? Was it made out of... like I've been describing it as a sock puppet, and that's because there's a scholar named Lucian who, he was basically a professional skeptic, basically a, the James Randi of his day, and he wrote about it. So um, this is, I'm quoting what he said. They had long ago prepared and fitted up a serpent's head of linen, which had something of a human look, was all painted up and appeared very lifelike. It would open and close its mouth by means of horse hairs and a forked black tongue like a snake's, also controlled by horse hairs, would dart out. Lucian further explained how Alexander positioned the snake. So he says, Coiling him about the neck and letting the tail, which was long, stream over his lap and drag part of its length along the floor, he concealed only the head by holding it under his arm. The creature would submit to anything and showed the linen head at one side of his own beard, as if it certainly belonged to the creature that was in view. So essentially a sock puppet. So it just goes to show you, there are always con men. It doesn't matter what century it is. There's always people willing to hoodwink others out of their hard-earned money. I know it's sort of a tangent, but I just wanted to tell you this story because it's so bizarre and weird. So what else do we have here? Um, Chimeras are big in Greek mythology. The chimera, of course, is a specific creature, but it also describes a griffin, a sphinx, and a cockatrice. And a rooster-horse hybrid called a hippoglycantron. All animal hybrids. So the rooster horse. Let's go with that one. The one. um, So there are some pictures from ancient vases. um, Where it basically is a very large rooster. He almost looks like a horse. Except he's got rooster feet. I mean he's that big. And then there's a human straddling him. I don't know. So um, the next notable era for chimeras. Is the Victorian era which is a very big jump. And it uh, kind of makes sense. I mean, this is the sort of last gasp of mythology being real. People are trying to use science to explain the world, and they're trying to make sense of the myths that they have been told their whole life. So they went hard with the chimera thing. And since these people are obsessed with aspics and gelatin, I can only (laughs) imagine what they were up to. So they decided to lean in hard to taxidermied animals. I think I spent too long probably looking at these animals because they were very, very freaky. And uh, in a museum, you see like a good example of a taxidermied animal, but when taxidermy goes wrong, it's horrifying. Like, they shouldn't be allowed to exist. Um, So in the Victorian era, people wanted to see the unexplainable. People like P.T. Barnum obliged, and they would make taxidermy hybrids and pretend they were real. Like when he made a mermaid by sewing a monkey to a fish. And I decided not to include that in all the pictures because that's really creepy. Um, There was one guy in particular who was sort of the taxidermy king. His name was Walter Potter and his creations were known far and wide. So I um, include, there's a picture. I'll put it on Instagram. It's a kitten spider hybrid. Ugh. It's so awful. And I, I I could include more pictures, but my stomach can't take it. So I'm not doing it. After doing a lot of Googling, I actually found out that there are a lot of artists who do taxidermy now. And they make it into a real art. Which is um, great. You know, just as long as you do it well, it's okay, I guess. I couldn't do it, but whatever. In the Victorian era, however, they were still figuring out how to do a taxidermy. And there are some bad, bad pictures. Like a trout. And a cat, like a catfish. It's, ugh, it is hideous. In fairness to the Greeks and the Victorians, we are no better. We love animal hybrids, as exampled by anyone who's ever seen a sci-fi movie. There's the dino croc, the dino shark, the fly, a half skunk, a half man from He-Man. There's a sharktopus, a piranha, anaconda, and on and on. And of course, Ariel The beloved Disney heroine is, of course, a mermaid and therefore a chimera. So um, all those animals. (laughs) It sounds like something Phil and Claire Dunphy would watch on Modern Family. And I think they did. I think they watched the Dino Croc one or something. Anyway, um, but we so we love a human hybrid, but we have one thing the Greeks did not. Technology. So. if you're wondering where this is going, I'm talking about people making these animal hybrids into real animals. So in the wild, these types of hybrids are really rare. When species are far apart genetically, they don't tend to reproduce. But with a little help from technology, they become, become more common. So in 1984, there was the first hybrid of a sheep and a goat called a gleep or a shoat. There are spider goats, which sounds really gross. But really, spider goats are just goats with a few spider cells. And when they are milked, spider silk comes out, which is kind of cool. And spider silk can be used, um, you know, f- to make things, to make fabric. Um, there's ones that make more sense, like a beefalo, which is a ca- is, um, cattle plus buffalo. And apparently, they're very hardy, and they do less ecological damage than a buffalo. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the Napoleon Dynamite movie. That was huge here because I live in Utah, and it was filmed in Preston, Idaho, which is right on the border of Utah and Idaho. Um, In this movie, Napoleon draws pictures, especially of ligers, and he says they are a cross between a lion and a a tiger, bred for their skills and magic. So ligers are real, but they shouldn't be. They're very large, too large, in fact. Their health is very poor because they're often inbred. So we don't, we don't want a liger, no. There's another one I didn't know about. Um, this is called a savannah cat. They are part domestic cat and part serval cat, which means they are basically wild. Um Justin Bieber got one, I don't know if you remember this. He bought two for $35,000 and they had to rehome them because of their rental lease. Apparently the people that they <laughs> renting their home from didn't appreciate a wild animal in their house, which I don't blame them. And he also named them Sushi and Tuna, which I absolutely hate as a name. Um, you know, some people are just obsessed with having something nobody else has, and I guess Justin Bieber is one of those people. There are other animal hybrids too: um, zonkeys, pizzly bears, wolfen, and more. I was actually surprised to learn that mules are a hybrid. Um, they're part horse, part donkey. Um, most of these animals are most of these animals exist because of human interference. They wouldn't probably breed in the wild. They probably wouldn't breed in the wild. Um, So I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't make them breed in our weird world. So now we're going to take a little turn. Um, In the 1990s, some scientists tried to get a patent for a human chimera. They were experimenting with human cells. And the patent said, the patent office said, no, you're growing a monster. You need to stop it. But the research continues. So there are scientists now growing human cells inside pigs to research organ transplants. So the idea is that maybe one day we could use pig parts with human cells to replace our own organs, basically growing our own organs. So it's very, on the one hand, it's great. You know, we don't want people to die because other people need human organs. But on on the other hand, it's very, very weird. And as technology progresses, it's going to have to be addressed because at what point do you say this thing is human? Like if you inject cells into a pig so that 10% of the cells are human, does that make it human? I don't know. And we're like, it's just very, very creepy. So um, technically people can actually be chimeras now, um, naturally. So for an example, in 1960, a baby was born. She had two different colored eyes and she had an ovary and a testes. Her blood was tested and she had two different types of DNA swimming around in there. It turned out her mother had conceived twins, but the male baby had absorbed into the female baby early in development, which is very weird. It sounds weird, but it's actually more common than previously thought. Women who gave birth can have male DNA from their baby swimming around their bloodstream for decades. When a group of women was tested, seventy percent of the women had two types of DNA in their blood. Um, this is actually pretty cool. In one case, a woman's liver was damaged from Hep C. Her son's DNA grew a new chunk of liver for her, and the liver became healthy. Um, and the liver became healthy again. It it does sound like science fiction, but some of it is true, and there's a lot of science stuff behind this. If you want um, the science explanation uh, on this, all of this, I've included a link to a great program by PBS on YouTube called Be Smart. It's uh it's a great little program, and it helped me sort of understand this more complicated stuff. So I'm going to include a link to that, and uh, that's all I've got for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this little um this shortened episode so then uh, we'll see you in two weeks if you enjoyed this podcast please consider giving us a five-star review it helps more people find us and keeps our show going if you would like early access to episodes consider joining our patreon the link is in the show notes as always we know you have many choices when you pod so thank you for choosing us